So it's funny that I go to all these shows and I feel more comfortable being in a flow state on stage than sitting in an audience um, just watching something. Welcome to the Stolen Hours Podcast. Conversations with known or unknown creatives across the arts. Guests share what they create and the backstories that have made them who they are today. Listen in to help support the community of creators and to find some inspiration of your own. The following is episode 34, The Flow State on Stage, The Anthropologist, The Playwright, Musician, Mark Jablonski. All right. Please subscribe to the Solonaris Podcast if you have not yet. This is another good episode with a very creative individual who does a ton of different things across the arts. This is the son of Andrea Geller, if you enjoyed that episode back in the day. And uh, definitely Mark is a wonderful human being, just uh, altruistic in his mindsets, but also uh, just combining all things anthropology with the world of marketing for a job, but also... Uh, really just endeavoring to share humanity and the experience of being human um, in his creations, which are ultimately music and musicals and a bunch of other things. So check it out. Enjoy this episode. Follow along, Stolen Hours Podcast and .com. All right, today we have Mark Jablonski. Um, he is an eclectic creator who expresses himself in writing, music, performance, and just really just experimentation. Um, just the list of things he is. He's a writer, a sound artist, a composer, an anthropologist based in New York City. And his writing really focuses on the human experience as it relates to uh, political philosophy, media, labor, and mental health. Um, he's an affiliate artist with a creative company called A Certain Something. And he's written musicals, he's written plays, and also these really interesting sound performances um, and recordings. And he's also a musician. I know there's been bands in his life uh, from High Anxiety, which I remember hearing about not too after his time in high school, um, all the way through to now, just still creating. Um, and definitely, he also has formed a career as a research analyst, and he's doing that currently with um, basically a marketing group for Broadway. And... Uh, has done that for you know, A&E Network, has done that for um, the Columbia um, University uh, Medical Center. So he's done all these different things and ultimately working right now for AKA NYC, which is this Broadway, Broadway connector for find the audience for the right show. And it's pretty awesome connecting the audience to the things they should know about and or should go see. And as the, that world comes back into play, at, you know, right now it's all these announcements of all these uh, Broadway shows coming back up. I'm sure he'll have things to say about that. And, uh, you know, his work, his sound, his music's been performed all around the tri-state area. And uh, he was even involved with the, being a curator um, <laughs> at some point for uh, Edward Curtis show and dealing with all the complexities of that work about Native Americans, um, including, uh, you know, the the written pieces that went along with that and America's complicated relationship with native cultures. And in the end, um, you know, I'm going to quote him a couple of times here because it's interesting how he puts it. I write musicals, instrumental scores, sound designs, and sound plays. 
My art and my research projects projects um, continuously influence each other as I connect art and science, aesthetics with culture, and emotions with human behavior. I seek to incorporate creativity into data analysis, as well as weave the human experience into music, theater, and sound design. And then here's another one. I write musicals, instrumentals, for sound <laughs> designs, and sound plays. So, so much fun. It's like so many different things that he does. So, Mark, thank you for being here and giving us time in your eclectic life. <laughs> thank you for having me. Nice. And the secret is that Mark is my old student and he was in the Odyssey of the Mind. Yes. We didn't even reminisce didn't even about reminisce that pre episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we traveled around to the Nationals and you, you were a rock star back then. <laughs> and soccer. And I was your soccer coach. Oh. <laughs> in my little stint of being a, a freshman soccer coach. Yeah. Which was my introduction to you, which was. Even then, I felt like, oh, this guy's got some cool things going on, even in those days. <laughs> and uh, that's great. So freshman year till till now, <laughs> how many years has it been? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, at least it's 10, I think. Yeah, so since wow. we saw, saw each other last or spoke, it's it's been about 10 years. And uh, previous episode, your mother, Andrea Geller, uh, was on, and she suggested that I interview you, which I think will be my way to do season two. So you're kind of a foreshadow of season two of the, of the <laughs> podcast, because I want to go in and ask, um, yeah, basically uh, any any guests of mine to suggest someone for the next season. Oh, cool. So that's going to be fun. And I'm sure people have more than one suggestion, but it'll be awesome. <laughs> so very cool. So tell us right now what you're involved with. I know that you're coming off of uh, the COVID version of your job, so I'm sure you're job as a research um, person to support Broadway is has been confused and complicated <laughs> yeah. and now we we have the announcements of all these shows opening up I guess this summer into the fall so it's kind of fun yeah just yeah, so know where you're at with that just to start no that's exactly right I mean so I work for AKA NYC we're an ad agency marketing for art live arts but we uh we also do I, we have the Met Museum we have the Frick Collection uh, and their new space Frick Madison we have um like a observation deck, but yeah, our main, our main portfolio has been Broadway. And so, yeah, since, since the shutdown in March, I mean, that week was crazy. Uh, yeah. That week when everything was shutting down and uh, we, our team was reduced. I was lucky to still stay on, um, but it was like 50% hours. Um, yeah. So up until a few months ago, we started uh, getting more, you know, when that things were coming back, starting to plan for the future. Yeah. And now, yeah, everything went on sale. Uh, <laughs> so um, it's uh, what I do there is I'm a researcher. Um, I do data analytics for all of the media we run, the paid media. I also do market research. So I do a lot of quantitative and qualitative projects. Uh, I have a panel of about 6,000 people I keep going after, asking them oh. how they've been doing, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Are they optimistic about life? How are they feeling? Do they want to see theater ever again? <laughs> Stuff like that. And sure. and uh, and then while Broadway's been out, I've been just really focusing on the Met Museum and and the Frick and all nice. those cool clients. Nice. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I do the, during the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, is that your background? Is that uh, what you study in college? So I went into anthropology in college. Yeah. Um, 
And so I, I'd say it still is my background, even though a lot of people are like, wait, that's not anthro. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Because, uh, so yeah, I studied the academic, uh, the academics of anthropology in undergrad. And then after I graduated, I, I was an assistant at Columbia uh, University for a postdoc fellow for an ethnographic project. And it was super cool. I went all around uh, the city, went up to the Bronx, went up, yeah. uh, did a lot of interviews. But I was just like kind of burnt out from the academia. I was like, this is a lot. So I realized I could um, I could just do data collection, data analytics, um, because I was like, well, what I like to know about in anthropology is why do people do what they do? Why do I why do we behave like we behave? And I was like, okay, well, there's a TV. uh, There's some TV gigs that do data and I could do data and. I, yeah. So I spun it. I was like in the interviews. I was like, once I got to the interviews, I was like, I want to know why people watch what they watch. Um, yeah. And they were like, oh, that makes sense then. So then I yeah. worked at A&E Networks um, where I really learned like the ropes of, of media and like media analytics yeah. and all that. I had great mentors. And then, um, but I've been, I've been performing theater since, since middle school. You know, I was yeah. in the, shows and and writing i like had a play up at bergen community college that's like a young playwrights thing in junior year high school and so i was always like i want to get back to theater um so a friend of mine from college was an uh, art designer he's a graphic designer for for aka and he did a bunch of the posters that we see on broadway he did like sunday in the park with george like m butterfly cool stuff and he connected me and uh, they were like, yeah, we're not really looking for an analyst yet. And then a month later, they're like, now we are. <laughs> Got hired. I've been there for five years. That's great. Who's your friend? Just so I could. Oh, yeah. Him. Mark McGillivray. All right. Huge. Nice. Fr- he's no longer at AKA, but he's doing a lot of cool stuff. He does design for movies now. And okay, he, yeah, he's really cool. That's awesome. Awesome. Maybe that'll be your suggestion. I think that would be great. <laughs> I think that would be great. Feel free to yeah, let them know. Will do. <laughs> um, awesome. So it's great how you. I think this has been the the cool thing about uh, alumni from uh, my teaching life that have really forged their own path in a career. And often it's kind of this backdoor entry yeah. or something. And so you're being you know, as an anthropologist, you know, major, you know, studying how to do all this data analysis, but you know, through history and through time. And yeah. It's, so now you've almost like you're doing anthropology for now. Which is I, I, I like to think so. Yeah. I've also got some projects currently that I'm working on that I can't say yet publicly, okay. but they are more anthropology than, than just like data. I'm like doing like research on some massive topics about the day. Wow. Very excited about it. Awesome. Well, I was going to say, it sounds like there's a book to be written by Mark Jablonski again. So hey, I know oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah. It's coming. <laughs> So I, I, I know I know you have a book under your wing. I didn't mention this in 2015, <laughs> the Paramus book, which was Paramus's Images of America, which you made with uh, Talia Goulis. Yes. Arcadia Publishing. Arcadia Publishing. That. That's great. We yeah, I mean everything that I do, I I I go. It comes back to the person, like the human experience, the the yeah. anthropology of it. So like the history of Paramus, Talia and I were um, volunteering at the the town museum the sure. Fritz Banking Museum. And 
there was somebody working on that book and then that person no longer could. And then the museum director was like, Hey, would you guys like to write yeah. it? That's awesome. And that's how that started. Was you still, so that was 2015. So were you were out of college, just right out of college? We started writing it. I was in, I was, it was the summers during college. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's like, and that's visual history. That's, um, and then after that, I am during my senior year, uh, as part of, I was an art minor too. I'm, so I majored in anthropology, but I did minor in art, studio yeah. art, taking yeah. painting classes, uh, concentration and, um, secondary minor was French, um, nice. keeping language in there. And, uh, but the, but the anthro art combo, I was able to, uh, one of my work studies was I was working at the gallery at the college. Yeah. So, um, I got to, after years of working with the gallery director, we were like, ah, student curation show, let's do it. And nice. uh, we had Edward S. Curtis's photographers from uh, in the collection. And so we, we, like, we, we said, let's, let's do something with this. I mean, they're beautiful. Let's, but as, a, yeah. as an anthropologist, I was like, but I want to do this right. Because yeah, yeah. You know, Edward was doing some photographing in, a, in, a, in that context. It was you know, a problematic, potentially salvage ethnography, like, kind of way. Um, so I wanted to put context behind it and reframe that. And uh, yeah, 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 because yeah, Edward Curtis, yeah, just almost caricatures of the native experience rather than maybe true documentary, although it's presented as documentary. Exactly. Like he staged all of the ones for the Kwakwa Kwakwa up in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. So I, but but the but the thing that I wanted to convey is like, these are still, it's his history. This is still sure, important sure. to talk about and show as long as we have the um, context behind it. Yeah. Well, that's even how it's taught. I mean, when I was in undergrad at Mason Grove School of the Arts, which was a very, the photo education there was very um, documentary heavy. And I remember learning about those photographs and presented exactly as you presented them, cool. which was, yeah, these are these are a, a document, a, an important document of photographic documentary history, but just like in the Nook of the North, which I think yeah. I showed you in my documentary class in high school. You did um, as the first full length feature documentary. It's problematic because of its generalizations, its uh, sense of the other, yeah. all those things. And but but with all the, it was almost included in the curriculum um, in order to introduce the the complications of documentary throughout time and cool. to keep us us responsible as documentary makers um okay now you guys have to make sure you don't do this problematic <laughs> you know yeah actually I, it's funny um i was probably the only student in my college class who knew nanook of the north when yes. when they when they uh, were like and now we're gonna play you this and i was like wait I know this film. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, the things we included in that class was was right out of the curriculum from, you know, documentary photographers like Martha Rossler, who was my professor in college, um, and even uh, Dawood Bay, who was my uh, photography professor in college. And yeah, oh, cool. Dawood Bay right now being one of the major, um, very recognized uh, African American photographer who's who's like fully. Um, yeah, he was on the cover of Time magazine. It's one of the greats, you know, like, oh so it's God. so cool to have those, you know, people, my daughter always says, why do I have to go to college? It's like, because you don't know who you're going to meet and the yeah. things that they will teach you, you know, for real. And, I, and even college being 
yeah, the, if it's if it's about education, which so, for so many it's about the experience. No, if it's about education, it can be phenomenally good. You can have experience in many other ways that college yeah. doesn't doesn't do it justice. Like the college version of experience outside of education is like so lame. You're living in like a a prison cell and there's chaos going on around you. You know, it's it's truly you're right. Like it's like a microcosm petri dish of like I don't even know. I don't it's it's somewhere between like, you know, uh reality TV shows and um I don't, I'm being homeless, honestly. Like, I just felt like in college, I didn't have a home anymore. <laughs> like, where's home? So it's, not so at, it's not at home and it's definitely not in the dorm room. I definitely so remember feeling that, like coming back from, you know, summer breaks and being like, wait, I don't live here anymore. And yeah, exactly. Going back <laughs> and then to it's, it. Yeah, and then it's this chaos of the party world. And it's like, wait, that's not why I'm here, but yeah. that's all around me. So what am I supposed to do with that? Okay. I, yeah, anyway, I, my point is ultimately that the education though, that you can experience in, in universities or even in like, you know, community college, like you tapped into in high school, like that, that world is like fully a culturally good experience and a, and a mind opener. Right. It's so. amazing. Like once I left it, I didn't realize how much I was going to miss it. Um, sure. Because like now that I'm working, like there's so many good things about like not being in college. I'll just say that yeah, so many good things. <laughs> But at the same time, I was like, wow, I just I could just do all of that. Like, yeah. I, I didn't have to. I wasn't accountable to. I don't know. Like, I could just do all that. My The space of just because I was making theater constantly in college. Yeah. Like, well, there you had a, you had an audience built in and you had audience a, built in. I had the resources like I had a practice room. So yeah. um, I had there were 10 there were 10 practice rooms and pianos in all of them. Take your pick. Yeah. And I like. <laughs> And then I moved, you know, I moved to New York and I have this dinky little um, electric piano that I had since I was a kid. And I was like, yes. this isn't going to work. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the reality. So even, even in high school, like, and you know, where, where, where I teach, it's very much so the things we provide to students is such a great experience um, in terms of gear and, you know, it's cutting edge on some level. We just got our new Mac lab in oh, this wow. past month, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah, the, the microphones we have, the, the cameras we have, all those things like just over the years applying for grants and just putting it in the mix and even like a, a display space, all that stuff. Like I treated it like college and I know in college that's the experience. And for you, I, so I know you, when you said I wanted to get back in theater, you were talking about your research life, but through, throughout college and post-college, you have not stopped in your I theater worlds. I have not <laughs> stopped. I, yeah. Um, college I did. Oh God, I don't even know how, oh, like over a dozen shows. I, so, so we were talking about resources. They had these spaces. I, I wrote like five, six plays. We just put them on. I had the people um, yeah. part of this festival. And then I sound designed like over a dozen shows and, and composed music for it. And then at the same time I was in like three different bands and like <laughs> yes. one of my bands, Factory Seals, we played in Williamsburg once when we were like freshmen and we were like, wow, yeah. we're playing in Brooklyn. And, <laughs> and then um, we broke off and then I had a new band and he's like my greatest friend now, you know, but he's, he's up in, um, he just got his PhD in politics, political science. Okay. Um, but we're, we've been talking about like re re getting a recording of that music, but yeah, the music and the theater have not stopped since I graduated. Yeah. Um, continued sound designing. Uh, I put on solo shows where I like wrote music and performance performance quote like art 
ish yeah. stuff and like the Dixon place and then um drama league uh so yeah i've been working with a lot of really 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 cool people really cool directors um and yeah. for a while i mean i don't know how i was doing it honestly it was like nine <laughs> nine to six nine to six uh research then seven to eleven eleven thirty midnight one in these spaces and theaters and and the sound designer you know i'm always in the back in the dark so i'm always yeah. like <laughs> So it was really, really wild. I, I like at one point after I was doing it, I was just burnt out and um so so badly that I was just uh, get I got really really sick and I was like something's got to stop here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I took a <laughs> took a step back. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was talking about this today with somebody. Uh, just doing everything with dignity. So like when you're a creative person. You have all these things that you're spinning plates in your mind. You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm working on this product, this product, this product, and then you have your work, which you also are passionate about because you can't help it. You know, like I think right. creative creative people who are spinning plates outside of work also are doing their job really well because that's who they are. They have the energy, they have totally. the, the, the the mind that's like out of the box thinking, all those things. And then, you know, I, I know you're not there yet, but as like, you know, if you have a family, all those complications of more plates that you're spinning that really become like the ones that you can't break. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like, right. Yeah, no, it's truly. Like, like as I'm having children, I'm like, OK, <laughs> that's another spinning plate, but that one can't fall. And so you have to start to decide which ones I'm going to stop spinning for mm, the sake of these. Wow, for yeah. not, for, so everything doesn't crash. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, a great that's, metaphor. Yeah, thank you. I just came up with that. Because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I know that that third stage is definitely good, but I'm like, I don't have room. I don't have more plates. Like, sure. So I'm like, like even just me moving apartments, I'm just like, that's a glimpse of <laughs> of the third stage. Like, sure, sure. It's a big, it's a big commitment, right? It's like, all right, I got it. Dude, I got to make this. It's all the adult adulting we call it. You know? Yeah, thing, and, and like, like not there yet, but things that are like grounded in family and things that you you have sure. to you have to you can't you can't drop like those are things yeah, that yeah, like yeah. you just can't <laughs> yes yes and and i mean how do you decide so how, so what did you end up giving up for a time just to keep oh. sanity <laughs> so i did go hardcore into the research um yeah. uh because i well sound design for me um was never uh it was really great because I got to meet a lot of people, be in the rooms, but it was always, it felt like a service work, a gig work for me Okay. because yeah. it wasn't like creating my own piece. Sure. Um, so sound design was always like somebody else wrote something, somebody else is directing it. They want the oral world in, in uh, you know, there. And that was great. And, but for a while I was like, wait, but this is kind of tangential. I only have so many, so much energy in the world. So yeah. I took a step back from sound design I started moving just into writing my own stuff. So uh, yeah. I write musicals, but the thing about musicals is, and, and plays and stuff is it takes that much more energy to get, like I said, in college, we had people, we had an audience, like none of that in New York automatically. So yeah, um, yeah. it's a long lead thing. So it doesn't, so it feels like I'm doing less, but I'm doing the same. It's just more for me. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> and it's like more in my bedroom writing music and yeah yeah but it's well, just a great. longer it's a longer lead like i i know and as a researcher for broadway i know exactly how long these things take like um yeah. and i i mean the thing is too like 
because I got to, you know, I focused on the Broadway stuff. I'm in the room with all the producers. I'm in the room with the musical writers and the, and the playwrights. Sometimes they come in and on the opening night parties, I, I hang out with some of the coolest people in the world. Yeah. Um, like I was just working with um, Jake Gyllenhaal on, on a play he did on Broadway and like just hearing about how he works and how he does things. And That's cool. So it's just like meeting all these cool people. Um, yeah. I don't see as like different than my own work. Sure. So it's integrated. Yeah. There were a lot of chances I could have left this agency and moved yeah. to a place that uh, may be more stable. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But it was just, it's just, I don't want to sell chocolate. You know, I love it. And they, they told me they would give me lots of free chocolate. <laughs> so it was tempting. It was tempting. It really was. I was like free chocolate and a lot more money, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's as, as we come back to uh, full Broadway, I guess there'll, there'll be steadier hours for you and things like that. And I already, yeah, well, a little happened. too steady. Um, <laughs> oh no, over time. Well, usually with a with a new show coming in, we have like long lead time. We talk about everything, the strategy, and and then we we press go. Now it's like all of the shows and the clients we had are like, okay, we're ready. And it was based on basically one show went first. Was like, we'll go on sale first, and then everybody okay. was like, okay, we have to go on sale now too. And so <laughs> it was in the span of like one week that everybody went from I don't know what's going on. When is everybody coming back to? we're all going on sale at this date. And yeah. so it never before, it's like all these shows all at once. <laughs> oh, well, I just, yeah, I heard like a, a story on the radio about it the other day. And um, I guess the, the person, the, the person being interviewed, she just said, she's like, and I, this isn't advertised yet, but I keep an eye on what's available in the ticket world. And she's like, and this is available and this is available. Yeah. Everything just because there wasn't any like press to say it was going to be opening. Exactly. But the tickets, are available so you know it's opening exactly oh and it sounds like that's that's that you guys are like okay which one are we gonna like put some press out about we only have a week <laughs> like, honestly like we we're also like we can't buy enough advertising ahead of time to just yeah. like that all advertising buys take some time to you know gear sure. up so it's like yeah everything's on sale let's hope press <laughs> let's hope people talking about it um i mean and another thing i'm working with right now is i price a lot of the broadway houses the shows okay I make the recommendations for the pricing um, yeah. and I, I have to be clear about the recommendations because I make them cheap. And then the producers yeah. are always like, Nope, you have to go up. And the general mm. managers are like, it's gotta be this. So we got to hit. So I've been trying sure. since for five years to lower <laughs> these damn prices. You're trying to make Broadway for the people, huh? <laughs> Who can't afford the, the prices. And, and I'm working on another initiative that I think will help for that, but it's, uh, it's been a futile gold, to be honest. Um, because sure, no, I understand. Money will, money will be money. And the seats are being filled. Yeah, not always, but for a lot of the shows, yeah, they are being so filled, far so. too. I mean, everyone's yeah. always like, everyone's been worrying for the last year and a half. Like, what's going to happen? Are we going to? Are people going to want to go back? Well, people have been selling. Um, sure, sure, so far. Yeah, we'll, I think we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. So you, you had opportunity to move on, but you're like, no, this is my industry. These are my people. And, and you really have, you know, a community that you're a part of there. I do. I love the people. I love the people I'm working with. I love the people that I work for. Like, yeah, it's, it is a community. That's cool. 
that's a choice and that's that's important for your how you're going to spend your time and as you say it feels integrated into your creative life which is nice exactly um yeah but i got i got um uh, i used to write like in in high school i used to write a song a day that was like that was my goal um (laughs) and then college had to go down like one a week and then once i started working and then over the last like seven years or so i've just now hopefully once every two months yeah but it's really like i gotta get back onto that because um i that's what i i mean i need that because the the longer i go without it the the more my my mental health is just like all right so would you say that i guess that's your ultimate stolen hours writing a song yes oh yes yeah what's your instrument of choice piano it's piano and then i bought a i bought a guitar last january um, I took guitar lessons in, in high school, um, but it was, it was like classical guitar, Spanish classical, which was cool and great. But um, yeah. in the rock bands, I played mostly piano and then uh, rhythm guitar. But um, I, I bought a guitar recently because, well, this was before COVID last January. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to open mics again. I'm going to go around the yeah. city. And the piano is hard cool. to lug, so I was going to do that. And now, so like sure. I've been writing on guitar so easily. It's just nice, Great. so different. Um, yeah. New yeah. instrument, new songs. Exactly. And I still play cello every once in a while. That I played cello throughout. Uh, that was my first intr- instrument in fourth okay. grade, actually. Wow. When we had to nice. choose a choose an instrument in the orchestra. Who was your teacher then? Do you remember? Oh, let's see. <laughs> well, Miss Wilkes, Miss Wilkes was my my. She was kind of she was a teacher for summer camp. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. But in the fourth grade, I don't I don't remember. Then I had Miss um, Gertel in middle school. She's unfortunately has passed on. But um, oh, yeah. uh, but Miss Wilkes, and then I got her again in in, in high yeah, school. Yeah, nice. Were you did you take guitar lessons in that summer program too? No, nah, guitar was separate. Guitar was with okay. with this. Uh, with a, like a private lesson, my okay, brother nice. and I, I haven't mentioned him yet. He's yeah, he and I both, my twin, yeah, twin brother, Adam. Adam. <laughs> yeah, he he and I both took those guitar lessons. Um, nice. Yeah. So and then he played bass guitar in our bands in high school. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it. So uh, go through the names of your bands <laughs> through the years. So you 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 mentioned high anxiety, um, yes. but actually there's a there's a band before that with my friend ben who now is like a marketing guy for he does marketing he's not a marketing guy he does marketing and design for um like labels actually in music and oh, he's cool. a great great musician uh we had a we we called it uh the original blue that was our first band sixth grade nice and then high anxiety was high school that was with uh jeremy ivan adam and me and then uh, the Factory Seals, right, college, ninth grade. And we put out a three-song EP. I love it. Um, nice. We played around cities I mentioned uh, and in Allentown, which is where my college was. And okay. then um, uh, my friend Chris and I uh, formed a band called... We started with Rule of Three because there were three of us. Yes. And then uh, we added a drummer and it became uh, Lewis and Clark. Uh I had written a song called Meriwether Lewis and um, he was writing a song called uh, William Clark. All right. 
and like to this day, we're 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 still talking about the musical, the Lewis and Clark musical. We want to write. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna happen. So, uh, and then after that, it's been just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Under your name. Under my name, yeah. Yeah, Mark Jablonski. Very cool. And I know you have stuff out there, so we'll talk about that at the end. <laughs> um, so in terms of, um, I'm looking at uh, the new play exchange right now. I see a bunch of your plays. Um, I mean, it's just four things, but I know there's more. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's lots in the works, too. But the, the, the genres here is so awesome. It's like dark comedy, fable, folktale um keywords absurdism and fascism yes <laughs> it's like, so interesting suburban america depression um genre adventure dark comedy um uh, just I think, going so through that's yeah low hum it was a suburban one so that one yeah. i wrote a musical with um a playwright i met at college uh, we're really good friends lauren waters and we started yes. writing musicals um and so that one basically was modeled off of a suburban america it wasn't paramus but yeah, it's what I knew, and it was That's this idea great. of this young girl um, after college feeling completely like, like didn't know what she wanted to do in the world, but everything was coming at her from like climate change and like all of these yeah. issues are hitting like the people in their twenties, and and so she was like, oh yeah, I can run for council because there was a there was a part of my mind where I was like, I can run for council. Like my parents were always like, you, you want to make change, like try to go into government. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> sure. so, so there's that idea and, and, you know, AOC and all those, and like Rashida Tlaib and the, and the squad, like, like yeah. making, making waves. So that's what that musical is about. Um, uh, trying to like find meaning in, in an existentially fraught suburbia. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I love the, I mean, I know you've dealt with this um, from the title of your band into uh, content of things you made, just uh, post-college depression and anxiety, listening to the, the body in order to confront trauma on a mi- macro and micro level is the description. Oh, yeah. You know, so I love it. It's like, so so you're dealing with like this like idealistic mindset, like I want to save the world, which I for those who engage in college, I think that is a desire that you come out with. <laughs> and then yeah. you hit this like stark reality of like, oh... <laughs> Wow, there's so much going. I have to get a job too and save the world, (laughs) right? And and like also, I have to save my own world for like I have to. Sure, I have to make a foundation. I have to, yeah. Um, uh, panic attacks have still been like so. I write a lot about anxiety and uh, still to this day because I I remember you remember on the soccer teams, but I used to have panic attacks all the time. Um, I still have them very often um i have panic disorder officially and ocd and so i've been working through um panic attacks uh and i often i often write about it and the experience um one of one of the plays on there is about agoraphobia and it's funny because when when we put it on at the drama league it was like a little uh reading workshop is a sound installation type of piece where i acted yeah. in it uh, and we had two collaborative artists as like Foley artists on the outside. They were the outside world and I was in the middle and yeah. uh, my world was like only heard. Um, and that was about, but that was, and that was basically talking about like, like not leaving the house ever. And then the pandemic hit and my, my, my collaborators <laughs> were like, Hey, this is, <laughs> this is familiar. 
yeah yeah that's crazy so you kind of yeah that's agoraphobia being the fear of leaving the house right basically yeah the fear of being in situations you can't get out of places you can't escape and i've never like i've never hit that fully like i've never been completely agoraphobic but i do have um i do get panic attacks in like crowds and buses yeah I mean, I, I, I love, I have to say like from that moment on the freshman year soccer team and seeing you have a panic attack, I had no concept of what was going on. Your mom just kind of came over. It's like, it's okay. Yeah. She's like, it's he, fine. He just, needs, he just needs to not be where he is right now. And we're just going to take him. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. And, and yeah, you know, like it just seemed to come out of nowhere because you were so just adjusted well and I didn't think anything of it. But, but moreover, since I knew that reality, I love from the, from the moment I knew you, you put yourself in situations where like social anxiety was confronted to its face. You're on stage in, yeah. in, in Odyssey of the Mind. What we, you were the, you were the performer. You were the yeah. playwright. You were the, you were the guy like improving. And I'm like, wait, how is, <laughs> I think it's, it's the, it's the, it's the flow state, the state of flow yeah. that like when I'm in that flow state, like, I don't know. Sure. It's just, I forget. Or I don't think about because it's funny. It's freedom, yeah, freedom. it's freedom, and because it's funny because um, I actually can't even sit in theaters uh, still. Like to this day, I still get panic attacks. Like I have to, I might have to leave a bunch. I wait for intermission. Yeah. So it's funny that I go to all these shows and I feel more comfortable being in a flow state on stage than sitting yeah. in an audience um, just watching something. Sure, I, I, I mean it's interesting. I, you know, I've never thought about just you know never had anxiety to the level where i could name it or see it as something but there was a moment when yeah i was always i was always hanging out with people but i'd always be on the side of the crowd like that was always a thing and until the day that you know my friends made me the singer in the band and i'm on stage (laughs) i'm on stage and i'm like wait i'm in the middle of the crowd i'm the attention of the crowd but moreover i'm not even thinking about that i'm just enjoying as you say the flow state yeah yeah like i'm just in this moment of realizing like okay i'm creating something this is powerful this is interesting and i i felt like i just had this confidence even though i'm the quiet guy on the side to where i'm like shouting into a microphone I'm like what is going oh on oh my here? god <laughs> i i remember you telling me i think once that you were a singer of a, of a band that's awesome yeah. it's like um, so it's also like a i don't know if it was for you but it's like a spiritual state kind of for me like sure sure i mean i think there i mean part of the interest in exploring creative people in this in this is in this this format here is this idea that you know we we have we're created to create is like my line um and we have it in us and it's like an essential thing that we don't do enough because we're so busy like worrying about other things or living an entertained life rather than a creator's life and mm. i feel like in the modern day like to encourage creativity is something that i have to do and want to do and as you know, the, this darn pandemic, which is for some been a creative endeavor, but for some it's it's almost like entertainment only. Yeah, endeavor. I hear you. And and I see my own kids as they grow up. Like for the first time, we allowed online gaming because they couldn't see their friends. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness, we opened up like this Pandora's box of like, <laughs> I never have to leave my bedroom ever again because I can hang out with my friends there and I can create worlds in minecraft and i can true <laughs> yeah and so there's like this virtual creative world which is actually kind of legit which i know it's legit but at the same time i'm very concerned i'm like wait you need to get out of your room and interact with 
the world so you can create with the world and see the world and experience the world um concerning though for sure uh that it, it, it it's like entertainment culture is kind of our modern day culture like we are entertained so much we don't ever have to leave the screen it's true and like <laughs> but, i've tried watching um i've tried watching performances online and on on zoom and stuff and there's something very different about sure about the in-person experience yeah. like even just like visual art like so the second i got to go back to the museums like literally just seeing the texture of the paint on the yeah, yeah. On, like up close like my mind it was like seeing a new world again sure sure and i think they like the nuances that you couldn't name before are now being able to be named because you missed them so much I, the first thing i noticed when i went back to teaching in person was the joys of an awkward conversation that I, cause I didn't know because I didn't know the person in the room yet. And I'm like trying to get to know them. And I'm like, I hated small talk so much in high school. <laughs> but as a teacher, I actually realized like, I love this. I miss this. Like wow. getting to know a person. Oh, I love that. And it, it was the, it's, it's an awkward conversation that we all didn't have to do for so long because you're with the people you knew. Right. Or you were by yourself. And, and, Sadly, you know, the phone is kind of taking that away just in normal times. Like, I'm awkward, so I'm going to look at my phone. But I, I said, all right, guys, phone's down because I knew they were just there already. And I'm like, let's just, hey, what, you know, what do you, what do you do? What, do you, what are you into? What is, you know, like, just these conversations trying to get to know somebody. And that kind of awkward silence, I was like, wow, I miss the awkward silence. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. I really I even do. Missed, I, I even missed, like being interrupted you know because everybody's on mute all the time I'm like oh no no just please interrupt me like please <laughs> tell me i'm speaking too much and that you have something to say that's so like <laughs> because... it's so organic and like yes human yeah like, going back to really... anthropology, like that's the human ritual of it all sure i mean and someone said you know uh yeah just about the you know podcasting world like the desire for oral history is why this kind of flies cool um and almost better than like watching it on a video. I I mean, not for everybody. A lot of people, YouTube's blown up. You know, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm just doing <laughs> audio. But so it's hard to get an audience um, because everybody is on the phones watching things. But I do think there's something to meet. Like I, for the first time in my life, I don't mind my 40 mile commute because I'm like, oh, I missed this during the pandemic because I didn't commute because uh, I didn't listen to the oral history. Yes. Of, yes. Of, I know what you mean, actually. Yeah. My commute is usually 30, 40 minutes on the train, and I podcast all the time just listening to, I was listening to, I don't even know what, like, but like new book network, new book network, sure. like, yeah. and like, you're right, like, I, there's something really intimate about the podcast. Um, yeah. And like, it's, the, and it's, a, it's, it's the, com you're overhearing a conversation, but you're yeah. not just overhearing it. You feel like how it's designed is this that you're involved in the conversation. It's almost like you experienced it and you walk away with it. You yeah, it. totally. And that's kind of a nice thing. And so I know you were on a, a podcast called Page to Stage. Yes, I was. That's kind of cool recently. So that had to do with your work, I guess. That was around uh, Broadway marketing. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that was a lot I, of fun. There, yeah. Let's send people there to listen to like kind of the backstory of like, yeah, how you use the anthropology to really communicate. And I just heard a clip and it was like all about how this one musical actually performed it. it people, the audience that loved it was the play audience rather than the yeah. musical audience. I love, awesome. I love talking to people in the audience. Like I will stand outside the shows and just like often just overhear conversations and write them down, like a participant observation, great. like um, <laughs> ethnography. But then I'll yeah. also talk to them constantly. And like, I just, there's something 
like I always see data as a data analyst. Like I hate da- the yeah. word data analyst, honestly, because it takes away from the human. Sure. Like the data is the human idea. Like everything yeah. that is now a data point was created by like mo- mostly not everything, but was created by the human idea. Sure, sure. So it's like, um, so when we talk about data, I love just like trying to talk about like the people behind it. Um, yeah, and yeah. Well, that's it. It's your so it's almost like. You're sitting in a meeting and it's about market analysis, but you're like reminding everybody like, no, 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 this is why these data points exist is because this human being experience is this. Exactly. This, We're marketing this. people to see this show so that these humans will have this amazing experience yeah. or see the, like go to the art museum, not just for like a social outing, but also for a, a healing moment or like a, a time they can sure. escape from something and, uh, yeah, and and the the anthropology work that I'm doing, like, because I've been reading like crazy over the pandemic, like, um, sure. like political. I've been reading a bunch of James Baldwin and uh, Hannah Arendt and uh, yeah. Angela Davis, and, like, and I've just been um, the latest plate evaporation pulled stuff from Hannah Arendt and uh, and okay. totalitarianism and and alienation and um, and so what I want to do really in my future is, is take all of my research and readings and stuff and pour it into my art as, as, yeah, as yeah. like, whether it's ethnographic musicals, like, uh, you know, writing musicals based on people's lived experiences or, sure. you know, almost like documentary. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, you know, if you look at, um, Yasmin Navrana, you know her from, she's a, actually an ESL teacher in our school that you were alumni from. Oh. And she is actually, she writes very much so from that point of view. So look her up. Uh, she's oh my God, a, she's, I have to. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and definitely someone you should connect with too. So I can connect the dots here. I would I love think, to. I was, I was thinking that already, like, cause she's, she's very much so active in the, the playwright world, you know, does just her, you know, performances of her plays all around. Um, and she definitely knows she's, you know, older than you. So like, got, you know, knows the yeah. world. Um, and, but definitely exactly the description that you just said, she's, she wrote, she writes from that point of view, um, very human experience, lived experience. And, and sometimes not, her, you know, it's, it's the experience of interviewing people, yeah. um, understanding their experience and then writing basically not a nonfiction story, but, you know, very informed by nonfiction, you know, reality um and and fully like lived experiences embodied in the form of a play that is surely fiction but it 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 actually hits the emotional truth of people's real life stories that is the my favorite thing in the world i i'm definitely going to look her up i would love to connect she um because some of my my influences right now like uh they're not really they're not here anymore but michael friedman he did a lot of Mm -hmm. work with the civilians um uh interview based theater and then elizabeth swatos who did runaways uh where she worked with she was a teacher who worked with a bunch of students from underserved populations and uh there's literally songs about like um uh violence and trauma and all the things sung by kids on stage and it's so powerful wow Wow. yeah all right so interesting i'll have to look up those guys yeah it's i mean you know mark you're 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 kind of a creative potential energy like explosion ready to go here it's it's so cool to know that it that has happened in the past and the things you've made are out there to check out and uh you know from your plays to your music to (laughs) to your writing to what you're 
this kind of humanity you're bringing into the advertising world even like that's all good good stuff man it's so cool and so on some level your post-college life you are saving the world i try i try every <laughs> single day and for sure i i have to admit that like i brought this up earlier for a reason you you dealing with mental health things um in your work and admitting you know right now like i suffer from these things you know you know we everybody talks about stigma free all that stuff but it's like never really dealt with on such a like a direct way um i just saw one of my students um Oh, who did this great work in a, an AP class, not my student, but another teacher's. And it's all about um, Asperger's. And she really tries to like visualize what she experiences you oh, know, wow. as cool. one who has Asperger's. And yeah. it's like phenomenally powerful. Like she oh has God. illustrated something that's so hard to put into words. Like if, if someone gets this, like who she is and what she's done in that visual art, like it's just like, it's almost like it just needs to be out there because she has figured out a way to help me understand something that I didn't understand. Wow. I know that's, that's what you do in your work, which is phenomenal. Like even, even, even back to your, your high school band, high anxiety, I was like, wow, I just, the name is obvious. And I knew the context of that, but also, you know, we're, we're in a time where, you know, there's the, you know, it's a, a time of anxiety. It is for sure. It is. And that's universally experienced. And it was always universal. Like everybody has that. It's like when you can't deal with that in a normal way that it becomes a disorder. Right. But, and I do think that in our pandemic time, in our politically turmoil time, um, which yeah, this is old hat, like this history repeats itself for sure on so many <laughs> levels. But, you know, now that we have language too, to be able to name, okay, this is really anxiety. Like your response to that situation is, is an anxiety ridden response. It's not just, you know, that there's more going on than just the facts here. It's exactly. Like emotions, you're this, you're that. And that's what I think, like, I try to always channel, I try to use this anxiety as, as it's not just like, for, I've always felt like there's something it was trying to tell me. And that's what it, anxiety is in your body. It's, sure, it's sure. your body trying to tell you something. And so I, as I, I like to extrapolate like my personal experience and and talk about the anxieties around the world. Like, and yeah. especially with the pandemic, um, you know, I would have panic. I have, I have part of my whole panic disorder is hypochondria. I'm, I'm constantly worried about health anxiety. And when, when this was happening in February and everyone's asking me like, what's going on? Cause they were like, Mark knows, Mark knows exactly. <laughs> Mark knows exactly. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, <laughs> get your masks. Um, but I didn't really believe it either. And then once April hit, I was, probably the calmest I had been in a yeah. long time because it was such validation to this thing. It was like everybody around me was like, like, Oh my God, I'm going to get sick. Oh my God. And they all understood. And it was like yeah. so freeing so that yeah. people could see what I was living through every sure. day. Um, wow. So I, I, and, but then, but then after a month, like I'm not going to idealize this after a month. <laughs> went down to the, like the darkest thing I went since like, I was like 13 and I was like, Ooh, this is tough, but, yeah, um, yeah. but we're back. <laughs> that's cool. I mean, and that's the reality. I love that. I, I love that part of your self therapy is to create and yeah. what comes with that is dealing head on with it and you help other, I, I, you know, I always say this, like, you know, sometimes a song or a piece of art or a poem might you like help someone more than anything else. And we all know it from like singing along with our favorite song that got us through a troubled time. Like mm -hmm. we all get that. 
but I, but making these other things that are just kind of like wacky art experiments, even like for somebody in the room, this is going to be like, Whoa, he just like explained everything. Yeah. Like, like (laughs) a mind mo like, and that was, um, that was, uh, you know, I kind of, I don't, I don't cringe when I think about this, but what John Lennon, I kind of like idealized um, because, sure. and I did that whole project about him and my relationship with anxiety in, I think, Dr. Sock uh, yeah. class. We did like the installation in the hallway. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm um, remembering, but it's because when I was like sitting in the bathrooms having these panic attacks in like class, like high school or middle school, I would turn on music uh, yeah. and it was like some of these songs that John Lennon was singing, just the voice of just taking me out of there. And wow. so from that moment to just like the moments of like going to concerts and having these like, I, again, I'll say spiritual experiences where I'm like literally just like, like Perfume Genius, FKA Twigs, like, nice. like these like indie artists that I've been going to, um, yeah. just like having all the music wash over me and just feel sure. connected. It's, that's what I want to do for, for someone else with my own. Music. Yeah, it's great. And I, I think, you know, it, it's just honest, sincere creating from your heart. And that, that's, that's, that's something that, you know, it, you know, sometimes isn't like always sellable, but it doesn't, that's not the goal. The goal is to right. kind of share human experience. And, and, you know, that, that's an awesome thing. And I, 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 as I look at your creations and I just think of you knowing you, and I think sometimes backstory is important to help understand context. Like, you know, looking at um, an art piece and, you know, it's just kind of like, not the most beautiful thing and then you, but and, and i'm looking at it, not one of yours but someone else's yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but just hearing the backstory like this is actually a visualization of this experience and i'm like oh i love that now you know totally. so like the, totally. the title the 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 artist statement sometimes is essential and and i think we live in a culture where everything's so fast we don't give it a chance to right. like read the title or the backstory it's like the but, first the first like like the 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 surface that you see, and then you walk on to the next one. But yeah, it's like move it on. It's like no, the whole experience is part of like the person and the person yeah. creating it. And I, and I I can imagine being in. I've never sat in one of your sound uh, moment or like musicals <laughs> or plays or even the experimental sound things that you've created or even your music, which I know gets a little experimental. But it's almost like you're you're in you know in the flow state while you're doing this. Um, if all's going well and yeah <laughs> and and your audience is there and they're just kind of stuck um and i i love that idea of like performance art or even music so they're, they're stuck there and they're sticking with you and sometimes they're not there with you yet yeah by the by the end of a performance there's an emotional truth that is portrayed and then also an experience that's shared that people can't deny even if it left them feeling a little awkward exactly or whatever but it's it's dealing with humanity back and forth and and uh you know all of that humanness and i i know you can't ever get away from that and i love that it is you've 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 brought it into all levels of your work life as well as your creative life so thank you for being mark jablonski the creator thank you uh, that's cool man I, so we're totally over an hour i'm going to call our our thing here and wow just let's, okay, yeah <laughs> let us uh let us know um, where to follow you and kind of get a sense of what you're up to. So um, listening to your other uh, interviewees, uh, I know Pat Wilk said she needed a place for all of her stuff and, and people, yes. other people were talking about. So I'm working on my website, <laughs> <I am. laughs> nice. but I am on SoundCloud. Um, 
Uh, so soundcloud.com slash Mark Jablonski. And then um, uh, I'm on Bandcamp, kind of same thing. Bandcamp, nice. I think, slash Mark Jablonski. So that's got some music there. Yeah. Um, but I uh, SoundCloud, like, I got to start curating them because like you said before, like, I'm just going to keep doing it in the flow state. I got to delete some of that stuff there because <laughs> SoundCloud is like, you're at your capacity for your free account. Sure. Sure. <laughs> That's the joy is like it, the hard, the hard thing about being a creator is like this idea that you have to pay to share it. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I don't want to pay to share. Exactly. But thankfully the internet's still open. <laughs> so those are the two places until my website is built. Nice. All right. Very cool. Um, and what, what will you call your website? Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's going to be a combination of some research, anthropology, yes. music. So, I mean, the cool thing is I, I do know and I experienced this just, you know, right before we talked that I could type in Mark Javonsky and find many things that are yours, but there are other Mark Javonsky artists in the world. So we have to yes. beware. He's not born in 1953. When were you born? 1993. 1993. <laughs> 40 years later <laughs> and, not in, and not in France. But it's cool. Even that other dude was pretty cool. <laughs> I know. Actually, I love it. I love looking at stuff. It's fun to have your your name, your doppelganger ganger name guy. <laughs> it's true. I could have had a. I could have had a um, serial killer as my doppelganger, like my father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sad. Okay. I hate if I said that on live air. But <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Mark. Thank you so much. It was great talking with you. It was really great a pleasure. Talking with you. And keep in touch, my friend. Really will do. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to. All right, thank you for listening. Appreciate uh, anytime I got an audience. Uh, thank you all you guys who keep clicking in, and uh, definitely would love to hear from you. So drop a line and let me know your thoughts about this whole world. Definitely support Mark Jablonski as he's out there doing his next things. Um, at the release of this episode, he's now a grad student at the New School, studying anthropology even more, and. Uh, definitely makes some moves too in the world of the arts to uh, just get it out there to the people and uh, we'll see how that changes the art world. I feel like he's, he's the one doing some things that uh, we'll actually see come to the surface. So very cool. All the best to Mark. And check out his mother's episode, Andrea Keller, if you enjoyed this one, um, which is a past one. And next week we have, next episode coming up is to Sean Gandy, who's a playwright. He is a movie film director and also a pastor, which is interesting combos. And check it out at StolenHoursPodcast.com. Oh, and yes, Jay Agnish, the latest release with song called Is This My America is out. So go check it out online, streaming anywhere. <laughs>